Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Fashion Grunge Podcast. I am your host, Lauren. And I'm Jai. Hey, what's up? This is cool. We're on the regular feed again. Are you excited? I am. Sorry. Yeah, yeah of course. It's like, I was like, hello. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say something next. So oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Uh, um, I tend to talk over you, so I'm trying to be much better. So. No, it's it's really hard not being in person, which hopefully will change soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it is really hard to not – it's going to be really weird to do them in person. I mean, it'll be cool because I feel like it'll be a lot better. So – uh, not not that it's bad now, but you know, it'll just, you know, just be a <laughs> lot better. Thanks, Lord. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it happens with everyone. It's just, I mean, otherwise, it's just you don't ever know when to pause. I know. Well, I think um, we are a bit better now. Like wait, like you know, waiting to the next person talks and stuff. But at the beginning, it was so hard. I kept talking over you. It was so embarrassing. I wish that I could re-record like all of the early episodes just because our audio was kind of shit in the beginning when we had to talk on like a phone call and I was like oh, recording yeah. it and like I think it's like dazed and confused like I, I want to like <laughs> I mean I don't know if I should keep it up there for like posterity or maybe in like a year just revisit and just redo the, the movie because I don't know, and just have it up there as like a random because it's, it's annoying when I'm like, I can't believe clueless is one of the top episodes and it sounds like shit. I know. Like it sounds so bad. And even like our Larry Clark kids one is the most popular one. And that one was like the first one. And like, yeah. thanks for liking it. Like, that's awesome. Cause it's a dope movie, but I was like, God, I wish our sound was more together. <laughs> so I know. Sounds, yeah. So well, you know, uh, I'm sure they, People appreciate that. You know? Yeah, it's a good progression, though. I guess yeah. it's, good to, it's good to keep it in there. But uh, yeah, I didn't even talk about it. Today, we are doing another rock doc, which I love documentaries, rockumentaries, this rock one. docs, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. We're doing Live Forever, The Rise and Fall of Britpop. It's so I'm fucking so glad cool. I got a resident Brit here. Yay! Uh, to, uh, <laughs> to like talk about it and... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm super stoked. This came out in 2003. It's directed by John Dower. I believe this was up in its entirety on YouTube, and now I think it's in parts. I believe it's like ten oh, parts. Really? Yeah, and I, I think someone's uploaded in a playlist, so you can just play it, and it'll just auto play the next one. So this is possible to find, but it came on the BBC in like 2003. I love documentaries that come out right, kind of right after the genre yeah, ends like, like the, the hype one. one as well yeah it's the not punk one. the grunge one yeah, yeah the grunge one yeah hype like i love that that came out in 96 so it was like fresh like it it just feels so cool because it's not just like you know those shows you see on cnn where they're recapping the decade because it's been 30 years yeah they're all talking old stuff i feel like it's a little fresh on everyone's uh mind you know when they were interviewed and stuff i think it's I'm sure if they had made this like 20 years later, it would have turned out differently, you know? Yeah, totally. There is a really, I don't really, I don't think I've ever seen any more. I've seen the Oasis documentary. I have seen, uh, no, I want to watch the one on Creation Records, which I mm. believe is their first label. It was on Prime, but then it's like, you have to pay for it now. It's one of those ones that like switches. Okay. Um, but and then the only other Britpop one I've seen, which is really good, which I'll send you, it was a part of like a seven part Seven Ages of Rock series that BBC had, and it was like an hour and a half on on 
Britpop, but it led up until it ended right around the early Arctic Monkeys. Right. So it kept going. Like it was cool. It was like Britpop ended and then they went through like the cold plays and like when it got poppy and then they're like, then we got the Libertines. And it showed all this really cool shit from the Libertines in like That's 2001. Amazing. Yeah, then it goes up to like, you know, now we're getting into like Franz Ferdinand and like Arctic Monkeys. I was like, oh, this is this era was so good. <laughs> like the early so 2000s. good. I mean, yeah, and that the was really was so experience good. like to the fullest. Yeah, now that that era was just kind of starting and starting to bubble, and now we've been through it, and now I don't even know what's on the other side. Like I don't even know what music is popping in the uk it's like grime isn't it like a lot of like grime a lot of hip-hop i honestly don't know i mean that was still harry style left but no that's not there's so much music in the uk that you can't ever just have one general like the. you know what i mean like yeah that's true i don't like dominating i don't think it's, and it's normally... different now well, it's different now. I don't know how it's changed in the past three years that I haven't lived there. But um, I told you, like, I mean, when I lived there, I was literally in my own bubble. Like, I couldn't. Oh, yeah, that's true. I was so not. Because if you have friends that are into the same music as you, and, like, all you do is, like, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you don't, really... it doesn't go outside of it. No. So, like, I knew there were some places, obviously, like, neither bars or clubs that play, like, hip-hop or other type of music but I never went because all my friends were into the same music as me so yeah end up living in a bubble and yeah you could ask me like yeah I just wasn't exposed to that I didn't like go to clubs or not that kind of club you know what I mean yeah the ones that play certain kinds of music like charts music yeah yeah I was gonna say here it says as we're recording this this is the 24th 23rd of april uh this is going up um on sunday so this is kind of recent like the number one song in england right now is lil nas x who's american he's like hip-hop i guess number two is justin bieber some song he has out number three is bed and it's something like david Guetta, so it's like house oh no um polo g i don't even know who that is another house thing like it's a lot of house it's yeah Tom yeah Brennan. i mean that makes, yes, that no. makes sense yeah because yeah, electro- electronic music is massive in the uk so yeah and that's what i was into so you don't i think it's just so like it's not like the us it's just so different you literally just you can avoid like be exposed to anything different than what you like you know yeah, that's super. It's really cool too. I feel like England has, for such a small country, it has so many like little pockets. It does, yeah. Of, like you know, music, like specific music genres and types, and these little small areas. So it's like really easy to just disappear into whatever scene you like. Well, that that's exactly yeah, basically it. Yeah, that's cool. So, what is your history with Britpop? Now, Britpop, we're gonna define right now as. I guess they, well, one thing I really like about this documentary is that they kind of splice in like massive attack as as like a backbone of like this other British music that was happening at the time. I love that. I I love that so much. And I think it's like blue lines came out in August of 91. So I think for the benefit of the show, they're going to, Britpop hasn't really started yet. Cause that was like after stone roses and stuff. So 
well, I know you like music like Massive Attack. Like, I know you I like do. more of that, like, Britpop, like, yeah, Portishead, Tricky. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what is your history with Britpop, like, Oasis and, like, Blur, like, all those bands? I mean, I honestly was into all, all of that. I was into all of that. I, I think at the time, um, I, we were quite young, right? But I was, like, I remember buying um, Oasis, like, album when it came out. And how old were we? Like, when... Uh, uh, definitely we were, like, came out. Um, or when the other we were, one, we Morning like Glory. 14. Morning Glory, we were like... Like 13. 13. Like 96, yeah. I think, right? Yeah, so I I was into that music. Yeah. I mean, I all Morning of this Glory. music, again, Blur, Pulp. Um, but then I also like Massive Attack, and I love Radiohead. So yeah. I, I feel like it, looking back, it's it kind of amazes me that I was into like genres that were so different. But, you know... Yeah, because right now good. I feel like I'm no, I feel like I'm more like picky, you know. Well, yeah, I'm super picky. But back then, it, this music was so different. Like Radiohead could not be more different from Oasis, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say now Radiohead is played in the background. They play No Surprises quite a lot and just yeah. intervals, but it's not mentioned. Why do you think that is? I want to know why you think that is. Well, I think because. Radiohead is and was at the time a very different genre as well. Yeah, well, yeah, totally. Like it wasn't, you couldn't really define it, but you definitely, it wasn't pop. It was no. never pop. It was always kind of like, it was rock and then it was like rock indie or like alternative and then it became more electronic, right? But you, you couldn't even put it like um, next to like pop artists, you know? No, that's what's so um, cool about that. But I think it's interesting that they mention it because it is true. At the time, there was, um, I suppose, at the peak of pop, um, Britpop, there was Radiohead in 96. What was that? OK Computer, right? Came out. Mm-hmm. That was 97. I think 97. Pa- Pablo Honey. When did Pablo Honey come out? That was really 94. Old. Oh, wow. OK. Yeah, 94. I remember. I had a copy of it. I was like, yeah. And I was so young. Yeah. Like, how can you be 11 and be into that music? You, I you was, know. though. We just had, like, the radio was really cool, too. Yeah, we also true. had radio, which is not a thing <laughs> now. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if kids understand. I mean, I feel like we're so old and, like, people probably listen to us like, God, stop talking to us. Like, we're kids, <laughs> you know, like, we're kids and we don't know. It's just, just the vast difference in how we consume music. I mean, it wasn't... There were record stores where you could like try, you know, and have listening booths. There was just no easy way to get it. So I think mm. when you find something you like, you really gravitate to it and you physically have to go somewhere to get it. You have to physically stand in line to get tickets. You can't just do it from your house or you could call on the phone. They had like Ticketmaster here where you would like call at 10 o'clock or whenever the tickets came out. But most of the time, if it was a big show, you had to camp out. You had to physically go to the record store to get the album. Like you weren't going to hear it by just sitting at home and buying it on iTunes and then just like, boom, it's right here. So it's, yeah. it was a bigger, you know, it was, it became more of your life because you made these pilgrimages to like buy new music and you spend an afternoon in a record store and you end up finding five bands you'd never heard of. And you talk to people who work there and you know, it, it's just a different experience. It was, it was, I can only describe it for um, the younger generation that it was like magical. Like you were, you didn't know what you were going to get. And that was the beauty of it. You would like turn on the radio and then you listen to a song that you love. And it wasn't like, 
you were like, okay, who's this band? And then you would try to like go to a record store and buy the album. Mm-hmm. It was just so cool. It was the process, you know? There were so many times that I'd have the radio on and then you know how you're like waiting, like you have to listen to it to like find, you hope that they haven't said what band it was first because you mm-hmm. turn it on in like the middle. And I remember one time I was like in my room and I was like waiting by, you know, like a piece of paper, or, like in a pen, like waiting for the DJ to be like, and that was like, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> and I was like waiting, like, oh my God, I got to find out what it is. And then I think my mom came in and she was like talking and I was like, stop, shut up. I'm trying to find out what song it is. Oh my God. And I like didn't hear the, the person. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know if they said it or not. Or I don't even know what it is now. It'd be really funny if I like could find out what it was. And then, um, yeah, so things like that, you can't reverse. It's the audio. You know what I mean? It's the airwaves. You have to listen to it at that time. And, or I guess you could what, call the station and be like, well, what were you just playing? But now you can look it up on the internet. You can see yeah. what's, what song is playing on this radio station right now. Oh yeah. And Shazam. If I, I had Shazam oh when I was younger, oh my God, I would have lost but it. I would have not changed it for anything in the world. Because I, I feel, as I said, like there was nothing that I loved more than listening to the radio. And then it's like finding a little treasure, you know, when mm. a song that you love comes out. And you're like, what is this? You know, I remember listening to Muse, the first single ever, and I was just so obsessed with it. And I really thought, who is this band? Because they sound like Radiohead. And before even the song ended and they announced the the band, um, Mm -hmm. I was like, is this Radiohead? Do they, you know what I mean? Yeah, they come out with something new. Yeah, or I remember there was this really amazing radio station. I don't know if you were like clued up with like London radio stations, but I don't think so. Okay, so it was it was called um, XFM, and actually it's been rebranded now. I think in like to like 2015 they changed it to like Radio X, but they yeah. play like alternative music oh, and like cool. indie rock and like they had a program or like a show at like on Sunday's night. I think it was like Sunday, 10 PM. I can't remember. I can't remember the name. I wish I remember. They play really obscure music, like really indie, like just like super alternative. And I remember like finding so many amazing bands through that. And I I will wake up and be like, because back then, you know, you had to like physically get up and turn the radio on and off. It's not mm-hmm. like now, yeah, you know, a timer, <laughs> <laughs> or you fall asleep with the radio on, and it's like, yeah, I used to sleep with the radio. Like I used to go to sleep with the radio on. Same. Oh man, I would do anything to go back to like those days. Just for I a would week. for a little while. Yeah, I was gonna say for like a week would be cool. I was gonna say not to disappoint the the youngins too much. I am very glad that we have things like Spotify. I have found bands I would have no idea about <laughs> otherwise. So I guess it has its good things and its bad things. And of course, you're listening to a podcast, which would have been virtually impossible uh, at that time because you would have to be in at a radio station. And it was that was a it was really cool too. I was just thinking about um, the real world in Seattle when they got to work at a radio station. And I remember when they like got the, you know, they moved in the house and they're like, okay, let's find out what our job is. And I remember when they opened it and they're like, oh my God, we're going to work at a radio station. And they like freaked <laughs> out. Cause that was the, and I remember watching it being like, oh my God, I'm so jealous. I want to work in radio because they get to pick all the awesome music and you get to go to all the concerts. Oh, yeah. What an like, amazing That job. was the job. Yeah. Like that before there was like, I mean, yeah, MTV is a little different because I was like one channel and like, you know, it wasn't something that you could do like a regular job, but like radio, like 
they had college radio, like all the small colleges had little radio stations. So like anything you could do in radio is so cool. It's just like the next best thing to working in the music industry. You know, it's like super cool. I always wanted to work. I always wanted to work at the college radio station, but I kind of sort of couldn't when I went in there because everyone who worked there was an audio major. And for me, it was like, I wanted to do it as an elective, but they were like, if you're going to major in art, you're not going to have time to devote what you need to know with audio and with your art, all your art classes. I couldn't really do both, Yeah, but I wanted to work at like my college's radio school. Yeah, you could, you would have been such a great radio um, DJ, you know? Oh, well, it's still something I want to do. I have Mixcloud was a pretty active platform For me, a long time ago, during quarantine, I was making mixtapes. I think I'm going to make another one tomorrow. Oh, cool. So, yeah, look out for that. Maybe I'll make a, a Brit... I actually have an, a, like a whole Britpop episode that I mean that I recorded like years ago because I love Britpop, but, but maybe I'll attach that to this post or I'll make a new one for like this documentary since that's what we're talking about. Yeah, that's great. I think yeah. that, that would be an amazing playlist. I can't yeah. wait. It'll be super cool. So yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I, I was going to say my brief history with Britpop is kind of how they describe it in the film. It's kind of like when we got it here. The only upside that I have is that one of my best friends when I was really young was from England, or she still is. I mean, she's, she's English. So she went to my elementary school with me, but then in fifth grade, she went to boarding school in England. Mm -hmm. So she would come back because her parents were like diplomats here. She would come back for like the holidays and stuff. So when she would come back, she would bring tapes, like oh, cassette yeah. tapes. And she'd be like, I'm like, oh, what's going on over there? Like, what's your, like, what bands are big? Or like, what's this? So she would give me like, I think she gave me Stereophonics. Oh, yeah. I had like early Stereophonics, like demos on cassette. Uh, we went to go see them when they came here and got to meet them, which was really cool. Um, but And they played, here, they played here at 9.30. And they, it was so crazy because I remember buying, I would buy all the records and all my friends are like, why do you like this English band so much? Or they're like Welsh, I think. They're like, why do yeah, you like this Welsh. band so much? Like, And they were not big here at all. Like, And then I would look at like all the concerts in England and be so jealous because they were just massive. Like they were such a massive band and they like were at Wembley. And I was like, oh my they God. And, yeah, yeah, nobody here even knows who they are. And they're like this big band. Like, oh, I want to see them. And when they came here, I also saw Robbie Williams at the fucking 930 Club. Oh, you said. Yeah, oh and just, and Stereophonics. And I, it's so crazy how these these like artists that are mad like robbie williams is fucking massive oh yeah and it's is. like it's so crazy that all these bands are so massive in england and then like there are a few that here it's just like nah so oasis came here and like obviously blew the roof off but they blew the roof off with wonderwall i don't think live forever was a big smash here like it was in hmm. england i don't think really i don't know I, i'm trying to remember like I remember it was a big band. I mean, I remember it was a big song, but I really think it's it was Wonderwall that made them like global. That really yeah, that makes sense. I can see them. that. Yeah, I can see that. What about Pulp? I bet they never became really huge. Here. Never became big, and I've never liked them. Well, oh, you never liked them. No, really? in the documentary, I'm I like kind of. I mean, I was paying attention, but when they were doing like Common People, I'm like, I do not like this song. Like, oh, I love that. Yeah, song. that's the one band that I've never. And even in my like older like time, like you know, some bands you don't like when they came out, but then when you get older, you really like them. I still haven't grasped. I've listened to like mm. two or three albums, and well, I still haven't grasped them. I think Pulp is actually is is just really English. Is like I can't probably. See I can see like people not really getting it anywhere else. Like I'm sure like people don't get it in Mexico either. It's just very like 
I, I'm sure it, it, it seems odd, you know, like they're like, what is this? Because just the style is so different, you know, the yeah, way um, Jarvis Cooper like sings and stuff. But that is like an anthem in that song, Common People in the UK. You don't understand. Like you go to a pub and it will always come on, like, like New Year's Eve, it will always be played, weddings, like, it's just, like, oh, wow. huge fun. Like, it's like, one of those songs that everyone loves. It's just, like, yeah. Oh, wow, I'm trying to think of what's that song here. It's probably, like, Journey here. That, like, such a small town girl, never been a lonely one. <laughs> oh, if you hear yes. that playing at a yeah, bar, either that it. or, like, Bon Jovi, uh, <laughs> it, like, Living on a Prayer, like, Either living on a prayer that, and maybe some like uh, no, those are probably the two that I think oh if they come on at any bar, like That's so funny, a specific type of bar. Now <laughs> this is not every bar, but like that's the most. Those are like the two American songs I can think of that are like very America, you know. Yeah, well, no, like I feel like this is what's really cool about the UK that everyone loves Britpop. Everyone, no, you can't. Yeah. There's no way you don't like it. Even like if you're not really into that music, like you. You grow up listening to this music, you know? It's cool. I it's really, so cool. I really like it. Um, okay, so the beginning of the documentary, we get, like, Tony Blair's press secretary with that quote saying, like, you know, Britain is, like, discovering pop music again after this lull. Like, you know, the 80s were kind of shit. So, like, you know, everyone... Like, this is, like, the new kind of... The new swinging 60s for yeah, London. Yeah, I like, think that music. was a really... Yeah, I think it was really well said that... Yeah, like, it makes sense. Yeah, really- Yes, it totally makes sense. And then I love how, so we get, um, we do get Noel Gallagher in this documentary. We also do get a short little cameo at the end from Liam. He talks about a few things. We get Damon, we get Jarvis, mm-hmm. and we get various rock journalists and photographers um, talking about the scene and stuff too. But I think those are the only band members. And then we have that Wonderwall cover band. One, one of those guys is in Stone Roses? I know his voice because I've heard him in another documentary. Oh, really? I, I think so, unless this is a giant troll and I don't get British humor. Like, it's probably like some giant joke that I don't get. And hmm. and someone's going to be like, oh my God, they're like a joke band. I can't believe they think they're being like serious. <laughs> like that, That's I probably what, what someone's going to Yeah, know. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't, like, that's I, probably I, what someone's going to say. didn't realize that, but I think really that girl funny. from Sleeper as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. quite a lot. Yeah, that's right. Um, she's the one that was saying about like Tony Blair. Yeah. She was like, you can't mm-hmm. really make comments about it. Yeah. So I think Noel is the one who says like E kind of made music better. Like the music wasn't that great, but like once people were like taking E and like doing like the kind of party drugs, like which was a big thing, it was like people were like, you know, at festivals and it was more of like a vibe, like an atmosphere. And it mm-hmm. like kind of veered away from like music. And they talk about, um, he's like, yeah, in, in the 80s, the UK was just dead. And I love how they show, like, Sheffield, Colchester, and Manchester. Yeah. The music for yeah, Colchester. What is Colchester like? It sounds like it was polka. Is there, like, a, a Polish community there? Or is it's that a, just... No. No, 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 no. It sounded it's a like little, a polka. It's a little town. It's just... Is I it mean, nice? It's, I mean, it's just, like... Oh, it's in Essex? Yeah, but it's like, it's not really, I mean, some of it is like countryside, but it's just like a really small town. Okay. But it's very That's... different from Manchester. Okay, just to, to compare them, Manchester was really dull and grey and industrial. Manchester, yeah, like at the time, 
I mean, even now, I mean, I suppose now it's changed a bit, but back then there's definitely no money there, no opportunities, you know? Yeah. And then culture stays more like, not middle class, but there's definitely more money there. It was like different vibe. Different you could vibe. see the lawns were like cut, the shrubs were all trimmed. Like you could look very suburbia. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You know, family of three or four, you know, like everyone has a car. It's like cute, you know? And then Sheffield. Yeah looked kind of like a rundown oh. factory town, right? Wait, wait. I, I think I mentioned this to you before, but I I used to call Sheffield Shetfield. <sighs> well, that's Arctic Monkeys territory. I hated it. it Too, was, right? Yeah, it was just like... Yeah, they're from there. Um, it's super grimy. It, there's nothing there. No Still? wonder why. Yeah, I mean, there's like a really sad mall, and it's more like an outlet. You know, like, oh, okay. yeah, that's like an outlet sort of mall. Um, and there's nothing there. There's just like factories and like, no, it's just not nice. There isn't, there isn't anything cool about it. That's why I think a lot of, because artists have come out of there. Because what else do you do? You not much music, to do, yeah. Like, yeah, it's like an escape. And, but that's yeah. where Pulp is from, right? Um, well, no, I I think some of the the members are from there, but I think Damon is from London. No, not Blur, Pulp. Oh, Pulp. Um, no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I no, I don't think Jarvis Cook is from there. Like, I, I don't think so. But I, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm gonna look it up now. Because... Um, yeah, where was Damon from? Because he said like, well, hold on, we'll get there because they make comments about like working class and like I like think that. He was born and raised in London, in East London, actually. But then he moved to Damon, there. right? Yeah. Oh, so he moved to like the ritzier area, the more well, like. I mean, I actually don't know why he moved there. Maybe his parents. Parents, maybe. like yeah, but um, yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, Jarvis Cooker is from Sheffield. Yeah, I was gonna say his accent sounded a lot like another guy. I think who's from Sheffield. Well, yeah, so many people are from there, but um. And but Manchester's think, kind of like dark and dull and gray too. Like yeah, the weather, so it's a lot really, of bands. Sheffield's only a half an hour from um half an hour away from Manchester. Oh, okay. It's not, That's super close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Right on. Alrighty. Well, um, okay, Stone Roses played on Spike Island May of 1990. Stone Roses are a fucking amazing band if you have not oh, yeah. heard of them. Um, that song Waterfall is great. Sally Cinnamon's another great one. I Want to Be Adored is probably their most famous. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So famous. It's oh. so good. I think there's greatest hits on Spotify. I'll put some on the mix too, but it's great. Like they're a really great band. They have, um, they have a, a really big section on them in that documentary I was talking about earlier. That was like part of the seven ages of rock. And they talk about their like psychedelic influences and they, they talk to a lot of the band members and it's just really cool. I love all the photos of Ian Brown, of the lead singer, like oh, that they yeah, show when he's on the ground. They're very much like Jim Morrison, yeah, like, kind very. of poses, you know. Yeah, it's really cool. I loved all those shots of them. And I think Noel was there, and he was talking about like that whole gig because it was like, where is Spike Island? Do you know that area? I don't know. No, I've never been. Yeah, it, it, was, it was like an outdoor type of concert situation, but like a lot of people, not like yeah. worth a lot, but there are a lot of people. So I think Noel said, you know, that was the blueprint for Oasis. Like, it didn't really matter. The music wasn't, he's like, the music sucked. Like, not that they were bad, but like the sound was shitty, but like, it was just everyone being there 
was just like yeah. that's what made it so great and he's like that's what we really wanted with oasis like seeing that in 90 was kind of the blueprint of what he really wanted to do yeah around, no, i think you know? that's really cool just um, so cool and then I love how, because so throughout, we're talking about like the beginning of Britpop. So then I love how throughout the the documentary, maybe three or four times, you get this transition to like a night highway and they're like outside Bristol. Yeah, and, that's, uh, and they're talking to, yeah, yeah, about Massive Attack. And um, I'm pretty sure that there's rumors that he's Banksy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they say, but I mean, we don't know. Yeah, but... who the hell knows? But I think Banksy's supposed to be from Bristol. Then that's another thing that I, I know, think a lot of his stuff. No, I mean, yeah. himself. I think they say because a lot of the work, early work, popped up in Bristol, so people assume yeah. like he's from Bristol. Mm-hmm. But I think that'd be dope if that like really was him. Was it Three D? Is that his name? It's something with like a. I think well, it's Three D. They don't. They never said. They said one of the members. Of, oh, okay. But they never said. I don't think. I mean, again, we don't know. Do we? Yeah, like, we don't know. But I think it's super cool. It would be have... super. It makes sense. It would totally make sense that it would be a member of the band because um, whenever they play, someone follow that pattern. Oh like, yeah. Whenever like they play, there will be like a new band. Scene, yeah, like, that's super cool. Know. Even if it's not true, that's really cool that it. Like, yeah. Sides <laughs> with it. I think that's so awesome. Um, I have a Banksy tattoo. I know a lot of people do. Um, with this, with, I don't know, I, I like the fact that a lot of people have it. Some people don't like tattoos that a lot of people have, but for that one, I like, cause he's just like the street artist that a lot of people connected with. Oh yeah. And I feel like we just didn't really have one outside of like Basquiat that everybody knew that was like in the culture like that. Mm-hmm. And Banksy, everyone knows Banksy. It's cool when you spot them. Like they were in LA a lot. Like you'd see different new Banksy's all the time. And then sometimes they'd be fake. And there's a website. I forgot what it was now, but there was a website where if you saw one, you could post it and people would like try to find out if it was real. And some people, oh. there's a lot of really cool street art in LA anyway. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with like street art kind of shit. So it's, it's super cool. It's so I like it. I have the girl with the balloon. Oh, I love, yeah, you have it. I love that one. Actually. Yeah. And I, yeah. Just, I like it. It's like a cool club. You know, some people think it's lame. <laughs> They're like, oh, everyone has that. But I'm like, it's a cool club if you have it. You know, you're into Banksy, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so then, oh, so, so we're getting into Massive Attack. So they're talking about Blue Lines came out in 91. And, uh, like, the huge undertone is uh, of this is the political landscape that was happening in England at the time. So I think the, what, Tories had been in for, like, 11 years, 13 years no 17 oh 17 fuck I'm pretty sure that was thatcher yeah yeah yeah. Was, so, yeah that's what he said po- it was a post thatcher like m- like movement you know like right after the labor party was like trying to get control again and you know it'd be kind of like an oppressive time so during that time Are you right it was 11 years i don't know 11 yeah it was like about. Uh, I thought it was like 11 or 13 or one of those numbers, but... Well, I think, yeah, no, it's because um, I got confused because she was the leader of the Conservative Party from 75, but yeah, she was the Prime Minister from 79 to 1990, yeah. Yeah, like, that's a whole decade. Yeah, you know, it's a of, long like, the time. 80s. The 80s was pretty, I think, miserable. Yeah, and it's... But it's also cool to see how, like, whenever a country goes through that they, there's so much art that's inspired by whatever is happening you know yeah, like it inspires people like artists and stuff like music and in other sort of um mediums but yeah i think it's 
It's really cool. Yeah, it's so cool. And even cooler, I mean, not so cool for um, the people in England, but I love how I love how when they talk about American music, they're just like, yeah. we don't give a fuck all, like, who cares? You know, like, they all, like, they don't give a fuck about what's happening here, even though, like, you know, we give a fuck about them caring about us, you know, like, to acknowledge us, really, because it's always America. And then they were like, and then, you know, fucking nirvana came in on top of the pops one of their most famous performances when they do smells mm-hmm. like spirit like mouthing it that's a, no november of 91 and they're like grunge came in and like people fucking loved it um and and it's really cool they, it's really funny too they talk about nirvana being like the only band with any talent that was good for, i know from america i <laughs> yeah, mean from america yeah they're like all those I other know. bands pearl jam whatever like oh, Nirvana's yeah. with any talent and then i think some of them were i think one quote which was so funny that which is so true that he's like you know the americans are really great at having like loads of confidence but like not much talent <laughs> and like that's the one thing about england like we were never that like self-assured you know, yeah. like we're always oh, yeah. kind of like, oh, we're the stepchild. Like, you know, we're like this small country over here. Like, everyone just cares about what's happening in America, yada yada. And then I was like, oh, really? You want you want fucking confidence? Let me introduce you to Noel and Liam Gallagher. <laughs> like, oh my god, you want, you want confidence, and you fucking got it because they're gonna they're like so <laughs> confident. Their heads yeah. walk into their room like two miles before they do (laughs) like they're they literally are just like excuse me even in their interviews which i i love all interviews with noel gallagher like if i was to be a type of rock star i would be like the noel gallagher like jack black type in high fidelity where he literally just thinks he knows fucking everything and any other opinion about anything else is just subpar (laughs) and he's just like it's so funny knows how to shut you up basically and i mean it's the opposite of liam liam is just mouthy but not i mean even he says it you know he doesn't care about politics he doesn't care a lot about anything really mm-hmm. he just has like so much attitude and i don't know it's just really funny every time i see him like in interviews or like here where he was like <laughs> they call him i mean this is always the end this is the androgynous. i can't believe that for like uh, journalist, reporter, whatever, didn't get beat up because I know the like, fact that you called him like a just, girl. You're like, you know, you're feminine, and he was like, um, how's that? Explain what do you mean? Do yeah. you mean? And he, I was like, oh my god, he's like so lucky bird. he didn't fucking <laughs> beat him up because I, I think he was struggling to find his words. He was like androgynous. I mean. I think I, like, I can't remember what feminine side with your mouth. Then Liam said, Yeah, I'm a pretty boy, and that's all right. I am. Yeah. I am. But <laughs> he's, he yeah, was he's getting really heated by what he was hearing because basically he, he's like, What do you mean? Like, what explain? What do you mean? Yeah, like, like feminine? Yeah. Because I actually never thought of him as that. I mean, yes, he's no. good looking, but I don't think he's androgynous or like feminine at all harry styles is androgynous not liam gallagher like even like pete doherty is not um androgynous Mm-mm. like he has a like different kind of style but he's not androgynous i just he's think he not. didn't choose the right i don't know what he was no. trying to say but i think he's not trying to say yeah. that to fucking liam <laughs> like you're crazy I, I i wouldn't i would love to like meet and and just chill with them but i know i would want to interview them i'd want to like just hang out and like shoot the shit they'll but destroy you they that's the thing they that's like. the thing i'd be so like oh 
like super, you know, super nervous, but I don't know. I feel like those kind of the one good thing about artists like that and, and rock stars like that, where they already have that kind of like air of superiority. I feel like you kind of know where you stand. I don't think I'd be that upset if I went and had a, a drink with like Liam or Noel and they like shit it on me. Cause that's what they do, you know? Mm. But if it was someone like Dave Grohl who I'm like, Oh no, he's the nicest guy ever. And it's someone you don't expect. Oh, you'll be that's serious. when you're like crushed. Yeah. You're like, Oh my God, I thought they were this nice person. Like with them, like what you see is what you get. Like I could be really cool to you and I could agree with everything you're saying, but then I might not, I might shit on you and you might still probably respect me even more for it. Because I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass, you know? Even yeah. though Noel did go to the Prime Minister's house. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that a little bit later. So, I meant to ask you, because I didn't have time to look it up. They mentioned the Good Mixer Pub in Camden, London, which was, like, a big epicenter of, like, where lots of deals were done, where lots of drugs were done, where everyone hung out. Kate Moss is in all these cool, super cool, like, old party photos of the 90s at all these different bars and clubs. And they're drinking and hanging out. Um, yeah. is that still around the good mix? Yeah, I mean, it was when I left. Yeah, it's like a really famous pub. It's um, so cool. Yeah, that was that was like oh, it's always been like um popular, but there was also the oh, what was that called? Hemley's Arms. That's where Pete and um, oh my god, what's her name? Amy. Kate? Oh, Amy, Amy. Amy used to hang out. Oh, you you go in always and see them there. So. Oh, cool. That one. Did you ever it? see her? I never saw her. I saw Pete a lot, but I actually saw him in East London because he used to live really close to my flat. Oh, cool. <laughs> he, like he lived in a really like shitty Dodgy like council flat. Mm-hmm. And he this was during libertines or during yeah. baby shambles. Did he just not have any money or was that that was just his vibe probably? I, I really don't know. I never understood that. I mean, I thought it was cool that he was still living in the neighborhood, but I thought how, like, you, you definitely can't afford something nicer than a, an ex-council flat. Yeah, that's what I would think. But I mean, the guy who, um, there was this, like, off-license shop just across our flat or a house, we live in a house, actually, um, on, in Hackney. And he used to say, oh, yeah, like, do you want to buy this watch? And I'm like, no thanks. And he's like, this was Pete. He couldn't pay and he just gave me his watch. So oh. like he was buying booze there like all the time because he was like the nearest corner shop. Oh. And I'm not making this up. That's like for real. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's not that hard to believe. <laughs> like, I mean, God and bless was, me. I can tell you where this was. It was 2006, 2007. Oh, damn. That's the height. Was he with Kate mm-hmm. then? He might have been. Maybe. No, I think he dated Kate, like, maybe end of 2007 or after oh, that. But no, okay. I don't think in 2006. I don't think they were together, but I don't know. He has don't a really remember. good documentary on, I think it's Arena did a documentary on him. It's on YouTube. It's, like, an hour. It's when he was, like, in the throes of his, like, crazy addiction. But it does talk about if you're if you're a Pete. I'm a Pete Doherty music fan. Uh, but if you're a fan of his music and just, like, his process, like, it's interesting. Well, I need to go back. I just found out that they did date from 205 to 207. So oh, shit. So he was dating Kate then. That's And crazy. he sold his watch? Well, he didn't even sell it. Well, it, it was more like it. he came and picked up a lot of booze and like left his watch because he didn't have any yeah. cash. But, but I also feel like maybe it wasn't that he had... 
he was just maybe fucked up and he was just like yeah i was like here i don't know where this my money is just take my watch i know but i mean i like him at the time but i wasn't like oh, i'm gonna buy this watch because it's pete's like yeah, i didn't think no. like that i was no. just like how are you gonna verify this it's not paul mccartney just like lots of random things happen like that you just didn't really you were so used to it that it wasn't like anything special so i walked by his flat once and there was like this tv like Mm -hmm. completely destroyed like outside and then i hear on the news like on on our paper somewhere that he had like a party like obviously a a huge party in his flat and he threw a tv out of the window (gasps) i was like okay and that was the tv it's like stuff like that you just hear like but when you live in an area where there are like musicians or like famous people, um, especially East London, you don't, it's not a big deal. Like I used to see Alexa Chong all the time. That, that's probably the one person that I bumped into the most. Really? I saw her everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all the time. Oh, wow. Um, but you just don't, you know, you're not like, oh my God, this is like Alexa. Even though I love her, I never was like, oh my God, you know. It's probably a lot like people who live in like New York and LA, you know, when you live in a place that has people that kind of walk around and you just kind of see them around in daily life. You're not as starstruck as people who live in like small towns and like, you know, you never yeah. see anybody. And also I feel like maybe if it was a different part of London, but I actually don't think so. I feel like because it's London, people are very respectful. I feel like only tourists might be like weird. You know? Yeah, same. But- People are respectful, like whether you're in West London or East London, people are just so used to, they're not going to be in like bother you. Like that's. Yeah, not... New York's the same way. Yeah. I've only seen people you. reacting insane to like famous people in America and it's oh, like yeah. really cringy. Yeah. Like... <laughs> it's kind of nuts. Um, okay, so after the Good Mixer pub, that's where everything kind of pops off. And then we get the Blur album Park Life in April of 94. Park Life. I love that song. I know, it's so good. Um, And Damon's there, and Damon is just like, he's talking about, like, that album. He didn't like the American influence that was coming in. You know, like, fast food. Everything was getting replaced by, like, plastic, like, American, like, commercial kind of bullshit, like, consumerism shit. So he started to write an album about it. Um, And it's really funny, too, that... Okay, so in April of... Let me see what day it came out, because I was just looking... April 25th is when it was released. So they mentioned that, that that album is like, you know, the new one, the one that's coming out. And then like, boom, Kurt Cobain dies. Yeah. It's like, dun dun, like reset. It was kind of weird how just the way that the documentary was, uh, I mean, I know that it they can't help the timeline, but the way the documentary was formed, that it was like, we didn't really have a chance until this dude was out of the way. And then we like fucking exploded because like Nirvana and everything grunge just stopped mm-hmm. like right away when, I mean, that's kind of, kind of sort of true. Like, I guess when you're the like the whole like leader of this movement, you didn't even intend to create and then you're gone. It's like, where do you go where do you go yeah. from there, you know? So it's like everyone resets. I think one guy said, you know, the default to, um, like, grief and any, like, kind of vacuum in the music industry is pop music. Like, that's Always. just what switches. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that in England, that's that didn't happen until a bit later. It actually still changed the rock landscape. Like, it didn't just yeah. make it pop right away. I mean, Spice Girls came out in, like, what, 97? Yeah. I think, 96, 97, but... 
there was still a big rock there was a big rock scene from like 94 to like 97 it's kind of like yeah the height and that's what it mean like how can i possibly know spice girls came out in 94 but i mean i guess they were like they um yeah were they big over out. there then yeah, they weren't big. Yeah, there. I mean, the pro- like, probably 95, 96, they were like obviously massive, but that's what I mean. Like, I was into the Spice Girls. I fucking love them. You don't understand. But then at the same time, I love Radiohead. You know, it's like. Yeah, I'm the same way. I like Spice Girls. Yeah, I, I think it was just like such a phenomenon. I don't know. But I'm definitely not like that now. Um, I'm more selective and I tend to just stick to like, you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm just pickier. But. But yeah, I mean, it, it was really cool. Even though, like, we're quite alternative. I feel like having a girl band that was so different and fun, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, I liked the boy bands. Like, I liked NSYNC and Backstreet, but I still liked punk rock. You know what I mean? I just, I just had yeah. different things I was into. I was into some hip hop. Like, you know, I'm, I was into like a little bit of everything. Or every not everything, but everything that was kind of more mainstream but mm-hmm. it's in different genres i wasn't into like country like things that weren't like generally mainstream that i have to like search out but things that my age group that different people in my age group listen to i listen to most of them like most of the main ones i don't i become pickier and pickier with age like, oh no i mean back then i did not oh, now. Back then. oh yeah. yeah yeah no not now like i don't listen to pop now i think i might hear a pop song like every what like three months that i'm like oh this song's okay but I don't like ever listen to it. Yeah, I mean, but for me, it's like I even I could not tell you the difference between. Okay, so if Ariana Grande, okay, if I hear a song on the radio or whatever, I couldn't tell you if it's Taylor Swift or like Ariana Grande or Selena Gomez. I can't tell. I don't know what they sound like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know some of them, but not all. I don't know what Selena sounds like. And I feel like inter- the internet is on that because before even if you didn't really want to like i don't know if you were at a place and they were playing radio you would get to listen to like lots of different yeah you know and you would um, hear things that you didn't even like but you'd be like oh they're playing this again yeah you would just know where they are mm-hmm. you know? That's now true. you're like you, you literally have spotify and you're very like you just listen to one type of music and that's, you're not going to be exposed to anything else, but yeah. And people sometimes will ask me about bands and I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, I just don't, I mean, I don't know how I could possibly know. I mean, <laughs> there are just so many bands out there and there are bands that aren't even on, I have music that's not even on Spotify. So like, you're going <laughs> to talk to me about something like, I don't know. Like, and they're like, Oh, they've been around for like, you know, 10 years. I'm like, I, how would I know this? <laughs> like, how would I find this band unless they're massively famous? And, like, I know who Kings of Leon is or, like, fucking Interpol or, like, The Strokes. Like, if they're not that big where we hear it on a car commercial, then I might not know it. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of, like, how it is now with rock music. (laughs) It's like, I might not know what this is. Um, So then we enter into – so we're in 94. So Kurt Cobain has died. This is horrible. But this has now opened the door for, like, Britpop to really, like – now people are kind of looking to, like, something new. Um, yeah. because you know they're just like oh my god like you know grunge is so dark in in and of itself anyway it's just like a very like dark genre in subject yeah. matter and the way it sounds so and they also mentioned too that uh oh no wait that's after this okay so A- oasis definitely maybe comes out august of 94 so it comes mm-hmm. up after blur they go on top of the pops on uh, 95 and they do supersonic and that's when i think one of the guys was like i just cried <laughs> oh yeah he was like 
Yeah, that guy was like, I cried. I just thought, like, you know, these guys were, like, what we needed. Yeah, I was like, wow. Yeah, I mean, they were really cool when they, I mean, they were amazing, you know? Yeah, they were, were, like, like next level. So many cool things about them. I feel like people used to compare them to the Beatles in the sense that, what? Yeah, no, I was going to say, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, the that there was like you know there hadn't been a band that was as successful, and I especially made it um, in the U.S. as well. And that uh, it was like you know Northerners and like obviously Oasis was more than four members, but it was you had two people that sang incredibly, mm-hmm. like Noel and Liam, and I was like kind of similar to like Paul McCartney and like John Lennon, you know. I have to say, here's a hot take coming. Okay. And I didn't think I'd ever say this. Oh, my God. No, please. I know what you're going to say. What? Ooh, what do you think I'm going to say? You're going to say that Oasis is a better band than than beat the Beatles. I am not. Ooh, I'm okay. glad I'm going to shock you with this hot take. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, this hot take that I've, I've just learned over the past few days, I was talking to somebody about the Beatles, and I was like, let me look at I was like, hold on, let me look look this up. So I, was, I think I was wondering how long the Beatles lasted as a band, and I had like a bet going with my friend, and I was like, I think 10 years, and he was like, Okay, he's like, I know the answer, but I'm just going to say, like, whatever he said. And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, it was 10 years, 1960 to 1970. So I was, like, looking into more of the, like, histories. I don't know. I uh, Like, hot the first hot take, I'm not a huge Beatles fan, right? So I was like, I don't really know the chronological story. I don't know, like, about the breakup and, like, what all happened. So I looked it up, and I have no idea. I'm now, like, really, really invested in, like, knowing more about the Beatles behind the scenes because I had no idea that after that first record they did, they toured, like, 1,400 times. Then they came back home, and this was, like, in the 60s. This was, like, 60, like, 4 or something like that when they came back from America because they were, like, exhausted. After that, that was their like their last public performance was in like '64, like for an audience in San Francisco. From then on, they never toured the major records of their careers. They never toured Sgt. Pepper's ever. Really? They never toured the White Album. They never toured, and then it, they just went into like this huge thing about like how it was becoming so frustrating. McCartney and Lennon, like Yoko, like they couldn't work together and they couldn't write songs together anymore. Like drum sections were taken out. Paul McCartney played drums when he didn't like Ringo's drumming. I was like, oh, I, I need a documentary because this is like some good ba- I love band like drama. I was yeah, that, like, I need, drama. I need this. That, yeah, I'm like more a- interested now. Yeah, I'm. I'm surprised you didn't know, but yeah, I mean, no, you did no, know some no. of it because you knew that no one liked Yoko. So, well, I but I thought that was just kind of a. Uh, well, I think my mom had said like she was like, well, I I think it was kind of read to the public that she kind of broke them up, but then I think later on people have said like, well, actually, it was something to do with like Paul McCartney's what uh, in law wanted to be the manager, and Lennon and and Yoko were like, nah. Like, they're going to take money and it's going to go more back to Paul. So that's Mm. honestly, like, that's what one thing was. Like, that's what really happened. And people think it was Yoko, but she was, like, just telling him, like, yo, this isn't a good idea. And they were doing their own shit. Like, they were doing their own music. And they were like, look, let's just all go our own separate ways and do our own shit, you know? Like, and they were just such a big band. But I can't believe that they never fucking toured. Yeah, no, that's actually what... I mean, I, I must say that I'm shocked to hear that. I, I don't think I knew that because 
I don't think that's what it felt like. I'm sure I've seen performances and they were like after 1964. No, they did, but never for like a paying crowd. Like they might do performances like in a studio, but they didn't do a tour. They didn't do another mm. like world tour because they only did it when they, they just did so much when they first came out. They were like they massive. Did. Oh yeah. You know? So they just made this really crazy. I don't also don't even know if they could replicate Sgt. Pepper's live in a tour format like it's such a weird album I think you could you i mean think? So many- i think you need like visuals yeah. i think for the 60s but of course but you had that i feel like for the well, 60s they they, well, not but in the 70s you know like well, they weren't together they weren't together they stopped in 70 this would be like the technology of the mid 60s well maybe in the 60s not the visuals but they could have done they could have had an orchestra and like have that music you know i guess so. play like but um yeah i mean the thing is it's so funny because yes they were only around for 10 years but they were so influential so yeah influential. well after and the that. thing is paul mccartney was doing his own thing and then john lennon was producing too you know so oh yeah see i want to document i'm sure there is one but i i'm like so interested now in all their their music still has not changed for me i'm still the same way i feel about the music but i'm just interested now in like the behind the scenes like wow they didn't tour this like really huge record and same with the white album like you know but they're yeah it just almost sounds like guns and roses like that last double album was like a mess and they weren't in the same room and it's just like it became too much it's like i guess it kind of happens with bands that get that big you know they just Mm -hmm. like crazy to to do it again so um okay so after oasis and supersonic on tv they have this weird kind of like everyone likes british stuff now so they show like austin powers which was in 97 (laughs) And they're like, um, I think April 95 is when like someone, some might say. And then August of 95 is when the chart wars between Blur and Oasis came out. Now, who do you like, Blur or Oasis? I can never answer that. Oh, you can't. It's it's one of those, I've been asked this question many times and I'm sure we've talked about it. And because it's really different. Yeah, no, they, they are. It's another one you connected to. They, should, the they should have never been compared. It's just, they, yeah, just because they were like boy bands in a way, and they were like you know doing similar music, but they was they were so different. It's and like I mean, and Beatles I, and Rolling Stones, they're like totally. I different. know exactly, and I feel that what's really interesting about that is that Blair seemed to be kind of second best, right? Mm-hmm. Because I always kind of came first, but but look who's still around, who evolved as musicians, you know. I was like, gonna say, in no, the long run, no band now is not great, no. and Liam isn't. Mm. He, he's all right, but yeah, he's doing good. kind of the same music. And like again, I just really give credit to artists who evolve, and and like their sound evolves because that's that's normal. That's what like, about. That's what's really cool. It's like the sad thing about Smashing Pumpkins, you know, that they never did that, even though Billy Corgan is so talented. But I, I think um, Gorillaz is amazing. Yeah, and like, they're cool. And it reminds me of like, I mean, it's very different, but Radiohead is on that transition too, right? Totally. That's probably why they're not in this. And New Order. I mean, they literally fucking went from Joy Division, from Joy Division to then the, the two remain 
in our members went more electronic, which I think Ian Curtis would have done too, because it was Probably. just like a, prog- a natural progression. But then, you know, they, they're they still around. I mean, how amazing is that? You yeah, know? that's so cool. So in that, I, that's all I need to add, that it's interesting that I couldn't really pick because I, I love both, but Blur is still around in a way as gorillas. So... And I love them. So yeah. I told my friend today I was doing a, uh, an episode on Britpop, and he was like, uh, "I was like, yeah, I'm watching Damon talk now." He was like, "Fuck Damon." <laughs> I love him. <laughs> he's like, he's Fuck amazing. Damon and Blur. I was like, really? He's oh, like, yeah. No. He's like Oasis all day. I was like, oh, you're no. And I have to say fan. sorry, but Damon Damon was always more likable than uh, Liam and Noel because they were like trouble. Yeah, they Liam and Noel didn't want to be lied. I think they liked that they were kind of like you know. I mean, you like them for who they were. Or they are, you know, like kind of mm-hmm. cocky and insane. But um, yeah, totally. David always came across as like more intelligent, and he's, I think, you know. Well, I, I also wrote here is where they get into uh, Noel versus Damon and like the dueling interviews where oh uh, Noel is like, well, you know, I'm like working class, and it's not something that like because you know Blur would sing songs about like you know society changing and all this kind of stuff, yeah. and he was like. I don't think he should make comments on it. You know, I'm working class. I was on building sites. My dad was a laborer. You know, my mom was a cleaner. Like, that's just who I am. Like, you know, I have dirt under my fingernails. Like, um, that just makes me more pure. Like, whatever. And Damon, I love how they asked Damon, like, Damon, what do you think about it? And he's like, I'm not even gonna, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not even gonna talk well, about but that. Again, I mean, I, I actually do understand what Noel was saying. Yeah, I get that. In the sense that he could speak to a wider range of people because he was like one of them he came from nothing you know mm-hmm. and how cool like he was like a builder like working construction and and then became um you know like yeah he's so like fun. we had no aspirations he's like no that's why it, we came with a band i know so i think there's something really admirable and i like, really cool about that um which obviously damon couldn't really relate to because he wasn't making music it was just different, but Blur shouldn't never... take points away from. No, no, totally not. I was gonna say Blur. Uh, I also like Blur and Oasis for different reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. Blur is never had that like that physical presence that Oasis had. I mean, you always see all these footage yeah. of like Oasis shows, network, yeah. these mm-hmm. massive like quarter of a million people went. I mean, it was like an event. Like everyone just immediately said. Oasis is the band that's going to save us, you know, like they already were put into that mold. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's true. That is true. He didn't have the stage presence. It was very different. Yeah. That's what's so different about them. They're just different. Yeah. They're just Just totally different. different. Yeah. Their music Mm -hmm. is different. Like it's, you know, I feel like Oasis is very much Beatles influenced, like very much like, to the point of where some of it, sorry, is a bit derivative. Like, I can tell where you're getting this from. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. It was super influenced by them. And I think yeah. they wanted to be, they wanted to beat them in the sense that they wanted to become bigger than them, you know? I Oasis, but I don't think it's going it, to, it, it, it has not happened. The Beatles no. are definitely better than Oasis, I have to well, say. Yeah. As far as, like, changing their style and all that, I mean, Oasis never really could get past that sound. Mm-hmm. I don't think they ever figured out a way to like evolve, and then I think well, that's what I mean. even yeah, if they had, they, even if they hadn't broken up, they would have not changed the the music, you know, because Noel had the opportunity because uh, he was kind of the brains 
I suppose behind the band, but he's still making similar music. That's mm-hmm. not like that's what you know how to make. Yeah, like you know how to I mean, make. He's Wonder a really Wall. good songwriter, and mm-hmm. but then Liam has a really cool voice, and like he you has. Need both. He's an amazing front man. That's so. the thing. It's like you need both. You need like, both. You yeah. The Jobs and the Wozniak. How sad! <laughs> I do have to say that is fucking sad that they. They couldn't agree with each other in the con. They're siblings. I they mean, wasted all this time. Yeah, remember that documentary we watched about Liam, where he was like, "Yeah." And the guy was like, "What about going to see your mom?" They like show him at the house, and they're like, "We literally don't see our parents at the same time." Like, it's literally still like, "When are you coming?" Oh, he's coming on Tuesday. Okay, I'm coming on Friday. Like, it's like they they it's crazy. And the mom's like, "I wish you guys could just get along." I was like, "Your parents are old. Like, what are you guys doing? You guys are like in your fifties. Like, this is a bit much now. Like, just make up. Like, what is there something we don't know? Is there some like giant thing that we don't know? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because it's it's not that complex. Yeah, it's like they're trying to make it really complex. And in doing that, they've really deprived themselves of a longer career and possibly a more interesting career. And they kind of shot themselves in the foot over it, really. They could have been an influential band that lived on and evolved like Radiohead. No drama. That's fucking. I mean, if Radiohead's got drama, we don't know. know. We don't know about it. (laughs) So I don't think so. I don't think so. I can't imagine it. But like, how beautiful that they've been around. like all this time and even though and you can see by what um oh my gosh oh, I, I'm drink, I drank too much wine so like I'm like Ugh. oh Tom I, Tom York yeah Tom York Tommy <laughs> my mate Tom yeah i um, he you can see how different he like what he is really into from what he does on his own like his solo yeah. stuff but then and johnny greenwood does very different type of music on his own as well doesn't he do but, a lot of score and things like that yeah he does he's so fucking amazing all right but then they have radiohead and he's their baby and i think it's amazing it's so crazy I also and the, love- drummer, the drummer tried to do his own thing, but he didn't really do that Oh, well. it didn't work out? Uh-uh. He had a really good song, and that's it. Oh, man. I love how... Okay, so Wonderwall comes out... Not Wonderwall. Morning Glory. What's the story of Morning Glory? comes out October of 95. And, of course, that's, like, the album that, like, fucking everyone had. We had it. Um, what? Champagne Supernova. Don't Look Back oh, in yeah. Anger. Roll With it. Like, yeah, like a ton of things are on there, which is so, so cool. And then that's when they do the Nebworth show, um, I believe, which is just like that fucking nuts-ass Batman's house show. It's like Batman's house in the movies, um, which is so crazy. Or Bruce Wayne's house, uh, which is just so crazy. And I love how this is when we first meet Liam, like in the the documentary, and he comes in and he's like, I don't remember shit. Like, I don't even know what happened. I was so high that first night. I was drunk. And then he's like, I don't remember anything about that show. I was like, oh, that sucks. That sucks that he doesn't remember. (laughs) I'd like to remember that. Um, He's just just really funny. I really like him. Um, And then, of course, we got the train spotting soundtrack, which was a massive um, kind of push in Britpop. They show like Underworld, they show like more the electronic side, kind of like it's just that's where it went. It went yeah. electronic and it went pop. So you know you couldn't. And I remember when that shift happened because I was there. 
I was That's like, so cool. I do not buy this fucking Robbie Williams crap. I hate him. Oh, but, I love Robbie. Yeah, it's just it wasn't my thing. That and Kylie Minogue were massive. Yeah, and, I can see. I can see why that wouldn't be like. And I was like, I mean, I was already into electronic music, but that really was like the push, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and then let's see. And then they show all this really cool, um, like a uh, slideshow footage of going out in the nineties at pubs. You see lots of Kate Moss, lad culture, this very like, misogynistic, all these big people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very like misogynistic, like dudes, you know, like mm-hmm. just like lad culture, which I think is a really cool word. Like I know lads is like a, a slang thing, but I think it's cool that it's like lad culture. Like it's a good term for an, encompassing attitude that yeah. i feel like we don't really have here in in america i can't think oh, of yeah. a, i can't think of a word like we probably say frat culture like frat hmm. boys but mm-hmm. that's still not as definable as lad lad's just like men you know what i mean so it's way it's more, very specific yeah, yeah it's, it's way more like definable which is cool um and that's when liam is called androgynous <laughs> and then the fucking reporter's like yeah you know some people call you androgynous and he's like what do you mean like what like how he was like you could see he was getting a bit like frustrated because he was like touching his face and he's like define that what what do you mean like explain like feminine he's like feminine <laughs> like he's like you know like feminine with your masculinity is like like a bird no <laughs> like oh what? oh yeah pretty yeah well i'm a pretty boy so yeah i guess that's what it is <laughs> like he just like took it and was like yeah that's what it is i'm just gonna say that like that's that's I know what a dumb comment by that guy. Yeah, why? Sorry. Like, why did you bring that up? That has nothing to do with anything. Um, yeah. It is really funny that um, Vanity Fair had this corporatania issue that was all about yeah. like kind of the the. Uh, I meant to look that up. Let me look it up really quick. Like, what month an issue that was? Vanity Fair, as you can tell, I did not. Um, it must have, it must have been ninety seven. Yeah, I think it was. Because that's where the Spice Girls were. I mean, yeah, March of 97. Yeah. London swings again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one with Noel. I'm not Noel, Liam and uh, Patsy Kensett, which is his wife. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah for- they were married. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's really funny that they did this like in bed, Union Jack, and Noel was like, yeah, I got asked to do that. And I was like, <laughs> fuck that. Like, I'm not doing that. And he's like, Liam went and did it. <laughs> Whatever. Of like, course, Liam did. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, then of course, in May of 97, Tony Blair gets in as the new prime minister. And mm. the Downing Street and everything. And Noel gets invited to go to Downing Street. And, like, lots of people didn't like it. Like, they were like, he used you, essentially, to get in. And yeah. then, you know, now they're going to shake your hand. And, like, I think Liam was just like, yeah, he wanted to be in with all those, like, posh people. But I didn't care. That was just not my vibe. I'm like, you did Vanity Fair. So, I mean, like, who's, <laughs> like. I know. But I think he, that's one thing. But I feel like politics, being mixed up with politics was, like, another thing that he really was not interested in. And I think, I mean, I yeah. I guess he didn't want the band to, like be associated as a whole yeah that makes sense about that but i mean you were a smart move like a marketing strategy for tony blair to be associated with like music you know and like everything cool that was british at the time 
I feel like the Democrats, I mean, for us, it's not so much Biden because we had a weird year, but Obama for sure. And Clinton for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they were definitely like cool and into music and, you know. Well, that's the thing. I feel like, yes, as much as he was a marketing strategy, Tony Blair was like really young. He was a young prime minister. Yeah. He was liberal, you know, really progressive, really cool. But yeah, at the end, I'm sure. It was all politics. No, it was just like, exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. There really is no, like, unfortunately, I bet if we were to go, like, to the Capitol and, like, sit, like, you know, as a fly on the wall and, like, nobody could see us, we would see that, like, parties mean nothing. Like, essentially, everything is about, like, power and everyone kind of wants the same goal and they're kind of, like, seeing what they can do to get there. But it's yeah. really like not that much different. There might be small differences in what people want, but it's basically everyone's out for themselves. <laughs> like they're trying to get what they can, which is so crazy. And yeah, I mean, Damon, yeah, of course, Damon feels like I would never have gone. It was a photo op. Like I knew exactly what it was. Damon just, I feel like, had a way more, um, like, uh, it kind of sounds like he had a way more like Kurt Cobain motive of thinking. Like, yeah. I'm not going to do what you want me to do just because you want me to do it. Exactly. And if well, I he, do it, you know, I'll do it because I want to. But that's what I mean. I feel like he never really cared about being part of that. He even says it, like, when he, it all ended, when it all started, really, it all got really, like, fancy, you know, like, very clicky, like, now we were going to all these parties and doing a lot of drugs, and it was just kind of, like, okay, like, it, it's just change. And yeah. it's cool that he recognized that and that he didn't want to be a part of it. And that's really cool and it's really hard to do, I'm sure, you know? And Jarvis Cocker, I think, said the same thing. He was like, we yeah. had those years and then it was just, like, drugs and cocaine. I, I had no idea that cocaine had, like, a massive, da- like, a massive discount rate. I had no mm. idea that, like, the price of cocaine was, like, 50% cheaper or something. Like in this time, so everyone was doing it, and they were just talking yeah. about how it just became like because it's usually like considered kind of a rich drug normally. Yeah. So it's just like everyone was doing it, and we did loads of um like you know business deals in the bathroom. Like he's like I did like other people were there too. Like other people were interviewed talking about like you know record deals they'd signed like over like lines of coke and mm-hmm. and this and that. So they were like it was really crazy. It was really fucking nuts. Um, yeah. What is that Saturday show? That no, the one where like the guy was turned into Jarvis Cocker. Oh my god! Yeah, and it was like Saturday night. I was like, I remember. I can't remember what it was called. Hang on. Um, MTV had a slightly similar thing called Becoming, I think, and it was like they would make you like, like they would make you over, and you would do a music video like that artist. Yeah, I can't remember what it was called, but I, I used to watch it religiously, like when I was young. Like, so people would go on and be like, I want to be Gwen Stefani. And yeah, they would like, turn you into her. Yeah, yeah. And you would do the song. And I think, uh, what was it called? It was like, they were, oh, yeah, I can't remember. But it yeah, was I like a thing that Saturday. was on every Saturday and you watch it. I remember like Saturday TV. It was really funny. Yeah, they were like, it's not terrible. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah I the bet. It was a weekday thing. But um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I actually thought that was really sad when they interviewed Jarvis Cocker. Like, I think it's it totally makes sense. And he said he was a re- in a really dark place when um, yeah. this is hardcore. Um, 
well, when he made This Is Hardcore, and that album has such a different tone from, yeah. um, what was the other album called? Different uh, Class. Different Class. Different Class, like, common, yeah. yeah. More Common People. Yeah. So. And that was 98. Yeah. I mean, that was, like, quite a while after after Different Class, because Different Class, I think, was, like, 95. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was uh, three years. Yeah, I mean, like, I actually do happened. really love that album. I love, I love This Is Hardcore. That song is one of my favorites. And it's really weird because when you say we're doing, um, we're doing this documentary, right? And I was like randomly listening to like best songs of 2020 and all of this music is on that list because I just played it. I, I play it so much. Oh, you mean your top songs? My top songs of 2020 yeah. were like oh, literally, cool. but they're not just 2020, they're just favorite songs of all time i have so much pulp and uh, blur and oasis as well massive attack obviously and portishead but yeah it's sad that he felt that he became a caricature sort of thing you know yeah and like i portishead they brought in too i forgot i wrote this down but um portishead's dummy came out in 94 like they kind of like juxtaposition like when they were talking with massive attack like that there's like this other kind of trip hop scene that's like happening on the side but like yeah. also happening too which i think is really neat yeah it's cool that they mentioned that you're right because it's like the reaction of this music was tricky and massive attack and portishead and radiohead yeah. i suppose yeah i guess radiohead would later be classified more in that vein than like a rock band than like a typical like indie rock band like totally um so then in august of 97 we get be here now from oasis which apparently noel said sounds like a bunch of it's all of us on a bunch of coke in the studio not giving a fuck i think liam said like some tracks we had were like eight minutes long and we're just like whatever and i love how noel's like i think it's shit like whatever he's like liam probably thinks it rocks and then liam's like yeah i like it Yeah, because Noel seems to think that definitely maybe it's a better album. Yeah, he keeps saying he even asked the journalist. He was like, "Okay, why would people buy Def? Why would people buy Morning Glory and not Definitely Maybe?" He's like, "Definitely Maybe is a way better album." Like, he's like, "What about you? Do you have um? Which one do you have? Do you have both?" And he's like, "How do people buy Morning Glory and not Definitely Maybe?" Like, that's crazy. I mean, what do you think? What are you? What is your take on that? I mean, the thing with Oasis, here's another like somewhat of a hot take. The thing with Oasis, which one fan mentions at the Be Here Now tour, I actually like Be Here Now, um, but I know that they're kind of like mm, it was whatever. And I think there was a lot of hype building because Morning Glory was such a huge album. They thought that third one was going to be next level, which yeah. is the problem when you have such a huge selling record is that yeah. the public automatically thinks you're just going to keep topping yourself. Mm-hmm. which is what I understand. I mean, now you, when you get older, you kind of understand like why Kurt Cobain felt the way he did. Like, can you imagine having an album like Nevermind? And then oh, like yeah. your next album is like, how do you top that? How do you top that? And somehow yeah. they managed to go, I mean, I, I hate to always bring it back to Nirvana, but like somehow they managed to evolve with a less commercial album that was better than their big one. Like, how yeah. many bands have done that? Like, they could have easily gone way poppier and gone, like, oh, you want about a girl? You want fucking Smells Like Teen Spirit? You want, like, a catchy hook? You want this? Uh, cool, I could give you that. Or I could just go super dark and talking about, like, how I wish I could eat your cancer and you're still going to fucking like that because I'm a sick mm. songwriter and it doesn't really matter what I do. And you're you know, people are going to like it. Like, that's, you know, what... That, that transition's so hard to make. Now, I think... 
be here now. They were trying. It sounds like they weren't really trying because they were just on lots of drugs and they were they had the amount of money. You know, they could just be in the studio all day. It wasn't like a money thing. I, but I he, felt more, he felt more commercial. He it felt, did, and not in a good way. No. Like, I mean, I think the only really song that I liked from the album was, like, Stand By Me, but that was really commercial. It sounded really... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, I don't like that Poppy, one. you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of... Maybe has so many amazing, like, he has um, Cigarettes and Alcohol. I love that song. I think it's a yeah. great debut. Yeah, supersonic. Yeah, I mean, you know, actually, it's funny because I, I actually really, really like the Master Plan, which came out in '98. I play that album so much, I can't even explain. I'm trying to. There's a later uh, Oasis album. I think there's like a random B sides or like a random like EP that has like some really good songs on it that are like some old. I don't know what album they're mm-hmm. from, but I think they're from. They're they're newer and they're actually really good. Yeah, they couldn't well, handle on it. Definitely, yeah, it'd be cool to hear your take on the master plan because that it sounds more produced. It's it's more like I feel like you can really see the Beatles influence in that album. Oh wow, okay, like, it's more polished, you know. Master plan. But I I like it. I think it's a really cool album. But I mean, no one cares cool. about it. But yeah. So this is essentially kind of like their Waterloo. Which is like they also one of the fans was saying like uh you know I think everyone else was like oh it's great we love it and one guy was like it's just more of the same it's more of the same it's just the yeah, same he, thing and I was like exactly. oh that's the kiss of death even if one fan says that it's like oh <laughs> you know like oh shit like it kind of is like that's a like reality that's kind of the same and then unfortunately this album was released four days before princess die died i know i had no idea i had no idea like yeah i didn't know that either but yeah it's funny it's kind of i mean it's not funny it's like funny in the sense that i just remember that what dominated like when that happened was that john lennon song sorry elton john oh yeah candle in the wind yeah. yeah, that song was everywhere. I can only imagine. And moment. that's when it all became softer, more pop. Mm-hmm. Like, Just like we said before, how it defaults into pop. Yeah, it was Robin Williams. Which, yeah. You know, love songs. And Angel. Angel, yeah. And what else was that? What, what That year, what else came out? Uh, I'm trying to remember. There was like... I just saw them talk about that and then they also talked about like s club seven. Oh yeah it, like well, morphed into more it like it was basically cheesy. boy song it was which is how an irish bomb uh, yeah boy band. it was it was uh s club seven bb it mac was... <laughs> they were like yeah. irish or something yeah there was yeah it was all pop it was all like really yeah it was, it was all saints i think as well oh yeah where... he went out with one of those girls robbie yeah, i think did. yeah Oh, I like Robbie Williams. I don't really, I don't really listen to him. I haven't. I have to say, I haven't listened to him in years. But I do like Robbie Williams quite a lot. Uh, when he was out, I my friend would tell me about it. Yeah, I'm. I never care for. I mean, I like him as a person. I think he was like funny and cheeky, but I don't care about his music at all. And yeah, by then I was really just into trance. I was just so deep in like house and minimal and, uh, yeah. I mean, even in ninety. 90- yeah, I suppose it was then. It was like 98, I was going to raves. 
I was going to say, even when I think because I listened to him because my friend from England had told me about him because he was never big here. I don't think if I was living in England, I would probably would be listening to him. I think it's because it was a novelty and it was like something that no one listened to here that I was like, oh, cool. It's all new. And like I his albums, I have to say not to be like a, you know, Robbie Williams, like Stan, but his albums are very different than his uh, singles. And they're like, mm. they're not bad as if you, you know, if anyone out there is really into like pop music, like it's chill. It's not, it's not like horribly cheesy. It's not like one direction. Like it's not like yeah. that. It actually is like pretty good. And he has, he definitely changes. Each album is completely different. He did like a swing album, which was kind of weird. He has like a more oh. electronica album. Like he has a lot. So he has like a lot of different ranges. There's probably a Robbie Williams album for everyone, <laughs> wherever your vibe. But uh, yeah, he's he's done really cool stuff. He did cool stuff after, uh, what is it, Take That? Is that what he was in? Yeah. Yeah. Take That. Yeah. Um. So then we get like, I think the last ride back in uh, with Massive Attack, which is cool. And then they talk about how they released Mezzanine in 98 i mean massive attack is just like a classic band every album they talk about i was like shit that album's like so good so good yeah <laughs> so was that one like so was mezzanine uh, i just remember the shift like it was them it was bjork mm-hmm. and who else was out there that was like i don't know i guess i can't remember there was someone else that was like really alternative but i can't remember um yeah i'm not it's not coming to me now. Hmm. It'll, it'll come back to me. Yeah, but like it's they also then this is when Noel kind of like shits on S Club Seven and <laughs> uh like choreographers and shit like that. And like and I Liam love that like, he's like I thought they were all right. Yeah, I know Liam's like, I thought they were okay. And then fucking Noel is like so savage. He's like, I thought they were a bunch of kids from like a special needs school. I was like, so Oh mean. my god. It's I was like, so honestly, mean. Noel, you know oh that's not god. what it was. Like you are so you're like too mean sometimes. Like you're just mean because that's what people expect from you. <laughs> like, no, honestly, that's really like, harsh. That's yeah, that's super like, harsh. I was like, what the fuck? Um, I do. He's like those choreographers, man. Like it's everything. I, I, this is my favorite quote from, from him in this. He said, the choreographers are taking over the world. Everything is choreographed. Yeah. Which I find really funny because now it's like social media is extremely choreographed. And yep. now it's like TikTok dances and like learn the dance. And like everything is totally made up. And like constructed, so he was—he was, he was yeah. right. He was right. Yeah, everything is constructed, but also everyone is copying everyone because you can't—you can't be original these days. Everyone is just hard. Yeah, like I literally watch videos on TikTok of like the brief five minutes that I was in um, the other day, and everyone is just doing the same thing. You know, it's like okay, this is. I don't just care how people spend hours on that app. I can't. I go on it for like 10 seconds and I'm like, I can't, like, I, I don't even know where to go. I, I need to post more on it. Cause apparently like people like it and I, I get decent, like, you know, traffic on it, but I'm like, I don't understand this. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. It's so weird. It's so strange. Um, so then we also get a story of Damon. I think he's like out in LA and he met Simon Fuller. Who's the creator of pop idol. Oh my god! And he's like, yeah, he's bringing Pop Idol to the states now. This becomes American oh, Idol, oh um, and he's like, oh great, like just what we need, you know. And Wait, so, is that Simon Cowell? No, Simon Fuller. Oh okay. He's another guy. I think he's like a. I think he does the X Factor too. 
Like he's yeah. the one who does like all these like reality shows for okay. like so like he's producer. a producer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he's a okay. producer, like, creator. Simon, Kyle, that was also the, a judge in both of those shows, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Papaya and that other one that you said. Uh, American Idol. Oh, yeah. the X Factor. X Factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he does all those. I'm looking now at Simon Fuller. He's best known for being the creator of the Idol franchise. First seen under the UK under Pop Idol, then US. It's American Idol. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I did watch it when it came out because it was like, you know, I was young and I was like, okay, what is this? But I, I was like, this is rubbish. Like, I don't care about seeing these people singing and. Yeah, I, I have to say I never watched it. Um, I knew what it was. I mean, I knew, like, Kelly Clarkson. Like, I knew that she won, but um, I know well, it was I a watched, big deal. It was a big deal. I watched the British one just, like, one yeah. season. Just like I watched the very first Big Brother. Yeah, I watched the first Big Brother here, yeah. It's one of those I things watched, for the culture, you know? Yeah, well, also it was so different. I watched the the, the British one when it came out, so... And also, like, I mean, I never watched it, but, like, The Bachelor is another one that's, like, those things that that people watch. Like, they're really obsessed with it. I don't get it. Um, One of my old college roommates is, like, super obsessed with The Bachelor. I'm like, I've never watched it, but I watch, like, Love Island and all that shit. But I don't know that I could watch, like, 20 women fighting for one man. Like, that's too much. I I feel like that's too crazy. I I, can't get into that. But, But it's a big deal. I mean, it's, like, a big like a whole universe like survivor it's like a whole universe of like people who watch it um so yeah apparently pop is like essentially being ushered in and that's and this was made in 03 now this eventually at this time when this was made which is so cool is when the libertines are like kind of bubbling up they came out and out like what 02 something like mm-hmm. that I think that's when they started so this was 03 so that's super cool and yeah i i'm going to try to find another documentary on like british music like british indie Mm -hmm. um because it's really cool like arctic monkeys you know all those like cool libertines so cool cool bands yeah yeah. that's like such a cool time as well the claxons yeah oh the libertine started in 97 wow what no that's what it says but i guess they didn't really get big until like early 2000s probably young yeah Mm mm-hmm and there's also a really funny clip that I have posted on Instagram in the past, but I'm going to probably post it again because we're doing this documentary. But it's a video of 17-year-old Pete Doherty in line to get Be Here Now, Oasis. Oh, and it's wow. like this guy like goes up to him and is like, hey, like what's Aww. you know like, what's going on? And he's like so cute. He's in his little like polo. And he's like, I'm just standing in line. And then he just like talks about how he loves Noel. And he's like, I think Noel's like uh, the voice of a generation. I think he's like... I think uh, something he says that's like really poetic, and the guy's like, the guy's like, wait, can you repeat that? And then he's like, yeah. And then he just says it again, and then he's like, wow, this guy's great. And I was like, holy shit, it's fucking Pete Doherty. That's so cool. Wow. Uh, so I'm gonna find it again because I posted it like years and years ago. I don't know if I can even find it on my Instagram, but I'm gonna post it again since Pete Doherty and he's in line for Oasis, which is so cool, like a record store. Now that is really cool. Yeah, so um, yeah, we've reached the end of this uh, little documentary Britpop talk. This is so cool. I love rock docs. Um, if you really like them, if you want us to do more, I might do a poll on Instagram probably on Monday. Yeah. Like, if you want us to do more of these because there are tons of rock docs that I have. And it's cool. One reason I really like doing these is because even though you might not have seen the movie, it's just about the music anyway. 
you don't really need to have seen the film. Yeah, I you think know? so. You, you even if it's something that you're really into, you know, I think it's relevant. It's cool. Yeah, totally. And I and there also always has some kind of a, a grunge connection in there. So they talk about Nirvana because Nirvana kind of killed yeah, the trajectory. Yeah, that is really cool that they mentioned them. I think mm-hmm. out of everyone, it's they kind of killed that trajectory. And then they kind of restarted, you know, like post Kurt Cobain. Yeah. So it ushered in a new genre and an exciting genre that I still listen to and I will do a mixtape on. So look yeah. out for that. But yeah, this has been so fun. Thanks always for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, Jay. thank you. That's really cool. It's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, the punk one was awesome too. Our punk yeah, attitude I mean, one. Music I mean, in general. So. Yeah. It's super cool. I think I'm going to make a, I might have to make like a list of like all the ones with the rock docs we do. Oh, also sign up for Letterboxd. I'm going to put that, I need to start putting that in oh, the yeah. description. Uh, so you can see all the movies we're considering. And if you want to add anything and you don't see it listed there, you know, like DM us, let us know. Yeah. yeah. Follow us everywhere. It's all the stuff is at the bottom. Fashion Grunge Pod on Instagram. And uh, yeah, we have our own Instagrams down there. Yours is Jai underscore Style Factory. Yeah. Friends boring. Just Lauren underscore <laughs> Melanie. It's so, not yeah. boring. <laughs> and follow Fashion Grunge because we're doing cool shit and posting yeah, videos. Fashion I like, Grunge I is like, really cool. I like posting videos. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love all the videos you get. They're so cool. Yeah, they're super cool, right? Mm-hmm. I love it. Alrighty, well, we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye. Bye.